Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Crossover Cross Time podcast for our Wednesday edition of Week 13, uh, January 11th of 2023. Uh, since it's Wednesday, I'm fortunately joined by my good friend and co-host, Justin. Justin, how are you doing today? Really, really well. Um, yeah, it's just <laughs> jumping out of the podcast late tonight, and I'm grateful to be here and excited to talk a little bit about our favorite sport. Absolutely. I'm excited, too. We're going to have a great show for you. We have um, our usual game summaries, then key news, uh, and then we're going to have, of course, predictions, but also maybe a couple other things to talk about. Um, but let's go ahead and jump into the game summaries real quick. We have seven games from last night's action Tuesday. Uh, I'll start probably, Justin, what do you think? Should we? Should I just rattle off all the stats for these seven games and then we go back and talk about maybe what's most noteworthy or do you want to stop me as I'm talking about these games and say hey let's talk about this specific game a little bit more what do you think let's go through each of the seven games until we get to one that's particularly interesting and then I will stop you and then let's okay talk Perfect. a little bit about whatever we see that seems like it's newsworthy right and yeah. in the meantime while you're looking for those I have a small joke type line that I oh, thought would be interesting to dump into the podcast. J- joke type so, line. I like that. So here we go. And we say, welcome to the slam dunk of podcasts where the only fouls committed are on the court and the only air balls are from our jokes. I like it. <laughs> if, if we ever make an intro sound bite, let's put that as the, <laughs> we'll have some like crazy based up music. And then that line. There we go. We, you heard it here first, listeners. This is the first episode <laughs> we, <laughs> of that line. We've both been thinking about, you know, some possibilities as far as, you know, sound drops and intro music and that type of thing. So, Justin, I appreciate that. We'll, we'll, we'll let's make a note. <laughs> episode 32, this is the one where we need to come back for that sound bite. Um, okay, let's jump in. The first game from Tuesday's action, uh, the 76ers at home throttled the Pistons 147 to 116 um, and bead returned to action with a different look. He didn't have the, the short fro like he's had for a long time. He had braids going. Uh, so that was kind of surprising, but um, yeah, not much of a contest, not you'd expect there to be. I mean, Detroit's not a terrible team. They're just really struggling still. And they're without, you know, some of their most talented guys, uh, they had seven guys in double figures, led by three guys with 17. Those were Jaden Ivey, Sadiq Bey, and Rodney Magruder, surprisingly. But they were also without Bogdanovich, who's their leading scorer. Meanwhile, for Philly, uh, yeah, 36 and 11 from Embiid. Harden had another triple-double, 16 points, 15 assists, 12 boards. Uh, 14 from Tobias Harris and 11 from Shake Milton. Uh, also 16 from Tyrese Maxey. So, you know, Sixers didn't have a stellar game, but they had, they were the most healthy and they had the better talent. And so they were able to win that game. Um, Second game, this is probably going to have a little more to talk about. The Miami Heat win a thriller in Miami against the Oklahoma City Thunder, 112 to 111. Clutch performance from Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat set an NBA record with uh, the most free throws made without a miss 
in a game in NBA history, I believe. They shot 40 free throws, made all of them. Jimmy Butler accounted for 23 of those on his own, which is crazy. Um, But yeah, close game throughout. Miami held a big lead in the first half, but then it was back and forth through the second half. Uh, And the Thunder were led by Josh Giddy, 18 points, 10 assists, 15 rebounds. Their scoring leader was SGA, as you'd expect, 26 points. Uh, Decent games from Dort and Williams, Jalen Williams, that is, and Kendrick Williams as well, or Kendrick Williams. But, of course, as I said, for Miami, Butler with 23 free throws. That contributes to his 35 points because he didn't shoot very well from the floor. He was 6 of 17 from the floor, but 23 free throws, that'll help you score. Um, 22 from Max Struess, 19 from Oladipo. Uh, And we also had some some side notes with this with uh, Deadman. We'll get into that in a second. But yeah, Justin, what are your kind of thoughts, input on on this game, these teams, the record, anything of that note? I want to specifically mention the heat and Mm -hmm. something that I want to mention, right. Is the fact that Jimmy Butler had more points and just free throws than any of the other players on the team. He had 23 points from just his free throws and no one else even had 23 points. A great point. (laughs) But my argument for the heat right now is that the heat are um, chronically underrated. The reason I think that is because they were willing, they were able to pull this game off. Even scoring, you know, a third of their points from the charity stripe. But they pulled this off without contributions from Bam, Jovich, or Kyle Lowry, or Duncan Robinson, mm. who's been really solid. So they were missing, you know, four or five of their best pieces, and they were still able to win this just due to some heroics from Jimmy Butler and some showing up from Struess and Oladipo, and Jamal Kane had a good game. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I think I think the Heat could be extremely dangerous late in the season, like they always are, right? When we get into the playoffs, the Heat might surprise people again for the fifth time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely possible. They're currently eighth in the Eastern Conference, right in the middle of the pack, uh, twenty-two and twenty, just above five hundred. Six and four in their last ten games. They have improved from several weeks ago. I think at that point they were maybe even you know, out, out of the play in picture. I, I would agree. I think they're probably a team that's set up well for a potential second half run. You know, we talked about we're at the mid season of the, this mid season or the midpoint of the season, excuse me. And yeah, without Bam playing in this game, no Tyler hero. Um, Jovich, as you mentioned, he's the, the late first round pick from this last year's draft. They've got a lot of pieces that have a lot of potential. And they're able to win this game with Orlando Robinson and Haywood Highsmith starting for them. And I think those guys have played bigger minutes in these last few days because of some potential injuries or illness, whatever the exact uh, specifics are for that. And yeah, Kyle Lowry missed the game. No Duncan Robinson. They've got a lot of great pieces, which would set them up well for a playoff run. You know, a lot of depth. They can go you know, a nine or 10 deep, maybe even more. And I would agree. I think they've got, you know, a lot of potential. Um, On the flip side for the Thunder, it's probably disappointing for them that they're not able to, you know, get this kind of a win against a shorthanded Miami team, right? Um, 
they're a team, you look at them in the Western Conference, they're 13th when at one point they were kind of in that play-in group. Um, do you think that missing the play-in for the Thunder is a disappointment, or do you think that they just, since the start of the season, without Chet Holmgren, they kind of knew, excuse me, maybe their thought process was this year is more of a write-off. Kind of what are your thoughts there? I think that's exactly what it comes down to, right? Everybody was really excited for Chet Holmgren to make his rookie debut and to play hard. And um, his slender frame got him hurt before the season even began. And I think with that, the Thunder's hopes of any type of, you know, basketball success kind of went out the window. Um, Chet Holmgren was a pretty good player in college. Uh, I actually got to see him play in person in a game in Dixie State or mm. Gonzaga against Dixie State, and it was it was a really fun watch. He almost had a quadruple-double. I thought, man, this guy's incredible. And then he just continued to show that he could just be a really solid, tall, um, worse version of Kevin Durant. And really, you can't be mad at that. So I think, Worse version. <laughs> I think, yeah, the, the combination of offense between SGA, Giddy, um, Jalen Williams has been okay sometimes, and, mm. and the lanky boy, Chet Holmgren, could go, you know, deeper than what the team could now. But I think they just – they have nobody that's good enough to drag them, and that's what they need. Your your comment about Chet, he has the potential to be uh, – what did you say, worse than not as good Kevin Durant? Yeah, just he's just a worse Kevin Durant. That's it. That's my hot take about Chet Holmgren. I got I to gotta quote a line from Frasier, the classic sitcom. It, amaz- it amazes me how you can elevate and demean in the same sentence. <laughs> well, thank you very much. That's yeah. what you've done there. Um, okay, yeah. Exciting game either way. Uh, big win for Miami and definitely a team to watch out for in the second half of the season. Um, let's jump to that third game. Let's talk the Toronto Raptors hosting the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, they pick up a win, 132-120. to 120. Not a huge surprise. I mean – Toronto's ahead of them in the standings right now. Uh, big fourth quarter from them, and they had uh, 20 total threes in the game. Uh, if we check out the game charts, it was sort of back and forth through most of this game, but then Toronto built a big lead in the fourth, uh, able to pull away there. For Charlotte, uh, nice games from Lamelo Ball, 24 and 14 assists, and as well as Terry Rozier, 33 points. Five boards, five assists. Uh, Mason Plumlee, nice game, 21 points. And they also got 13 from P.J. Washington. They are still without Gordon Hayward. Um, they did not get a great depth of bench help as well. Meanwhile, for Toronto, uh, they are led by 28 from Spicy P, Pascal Siakam. Eight boards and seven Spicy assists. Spicy P? Spicy Is that P. actually his nickname? You haven't heard that before? No, that's the first time I've ever heard of Spicy oh, P. Oh, man. You, you couldn't go anywhere without hearing it during the finals run. But, um, yeah, he, so he picks up 28, 24 for Gary Trent Jr., 22 for OG Ananobi, and three other guys in double figures, including two off the bench to help get that win for Toronto. Um, we probably want to – well, we'll definitely want to spend a lot more time on this one. This was the game that we've had marked on the calendars for a long time, and especially within the last couple of weeks once we realized this was coming up. Uh, the Utah Jazz, despite the return of Donovan Mitchell, 
and the pregame videos and the you know the tributes and all that stuff the jazz pick up the win 116 to 10 or 114 against the cleveland cavaliers and they even withstand a nice game from donovan mitchell uh this was a, a pretty back and forth affair utah able to pull out at the last minute and win uh, for cleveland yeah 46 from donovan mitchell five boards six assists he had some great percentages he shot 18 threes made seven of them um he was aided by 21 from Darius Garland, 12 each from Evan Mobley, Karis LeVert, and 11 from Lamar Stevens. But uh, the Jazz just played a little bit better all-around game, able to come out with a win. We had uh, 32 from Jordan Clarkson. He led the way this time, six boards, four assists. 25 points and 16 rebounds from Markinen. Walker Kessler, meanwhile, got the start in this one and pulled down 11 rebounds. And then a 13 each for Malik Beasley, Mike Conley, and um, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, or Naw, as uh, Craig Bowlerjack tried to dub him with a new nickname. I don't think that one's going <laughs> to stick. But, Justin, your thoughts on this? What, you know, There's all sorts of storylines from this night. Um, what would be the first thing you'd take away from this this night and this game. Well, this was a beautiful game. Um, I think it's really, really interesting the, having that uh, backcourt of Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland. Those guys combined for almost 70 points. And the rest of the team, I wouldn't say is lacking, but they don't really have much of a big presence down low. Right, Jared Allen had zero points. Um, one assist and no rebounds, although he only played for six minutes. So I wonder if, you know, oh, something yeah, happened or if he's point. on some kind of a minutes restriction. No, I, yeah, but, I didn't notice that, but that's a great point. I bet you, let's go ahead and look that up. I bet you he had some sort of injury, but anyways, continue. In the meantime, um, has just been a very solid team and you know what you're getting when you play them. Right, you've got a streaky microwave shooter like Jordan Clarkson. You've got Larry Markinen, who's always going to get you, you know, 25 and 15. Uh, Malik Beasley's been solid. Conley's been solid, even though he's getting old. Uh, the Jazz guys just really dig in. Um, they stay their course. They focus on the little things. And I think you can say the same about the, the Cavaliers. Mm-hmm. But I think Rude, or not Rudy, Donovan just played so well because this is the similar team to what he's practiced on for the last couple years. So I think maybe that familiarity gave him some love from the fans and some hate from the fans and it fueled him to go out and get 46. It's possible. Um, Fortunately, I think it was the right move. The fans largely were very positive about his return, Uh, you know, standing O in the the pregame. And as he was walking off, they were still, you know, giving him, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of love as he left the court. Probably easier for them to do that um, since they were able to get the win. Maybe if they'd lost the game, it would have been a different situation at the end of the game. But regardless, uh, yeah, just pulled this up. It looks like Jarrett Allen left the game early with an illness of some sort. So definitely not quite what we'd expect. Uh, wish him the best in recovering from that. Um, hopefully he's back to their next game. But regardless, yeah, you know, Cleveland, when they're at full strength, you know, and maybe Jared Allen's absence was a big part of it, 
Uh, Evan Mobley, sort of a lackluster game. Okoro, only four points. When Cleveland's at full strength, you would expect them to be the better team, and they have certainly the better record. But, yeah, on this night, big win for Utah, and uh, great for us as Jazz fans, right? Great great to see that win. So, um, yeah. It's always good to beat the team of the guy that left your team. Exactly. Well, and at least at least Donovan was very gracious in this uh, moment. He didn't put a dunk in in the last seconds like Gobert did when he played us, you know, breaking the unwritten rules. Oh, yeah, that was a very bad decision. Yeah. And normally I I am the one who's like on the opposite spectrum of like, who cares about that? Run up the score, you know, do whatever. But in that circumstance, you don't. You don't do that, you know. But anyways, if I was a Timberwolves fan, a very... I'd, be like, <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, rub it in their face. But anyways, <laughs> what were you going to say? Well, it was similar to when – oh, it was similar to when Zion Williamson punched that 360 windmill against the <laughs> the Suns at the oh, very last yeah, second. Yeah. Right? He, he kind of started himself on his heel turn or his, his villain mode. <laughs> but that's and a different situation. Ever since. Yeah. In, yeah, in that – in... <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, as everybody knows, the Suns are the the comic bad guys of the league. And we mm. talked about this before the show a little earlier, but I said that they are terminal at this point. Their team is rotting from the inside out, and the other teams in the NBA are fed up with it. And so Zion took the opportunity to punch a huge dunk and disrespect the franchise, and I'm here for it. I really liked it. Even – yeah, I think there's a certain – uh, element of that even more so i would say you know and maybe we disagree a bit on this but i think i think it's kind of the idea of a rivalry growing there there was a playoff series just this last year now they're poised or you know at least the idea was they would be two of the better teams in the western conference um pelicans have exceeded expectations suns have been failing expectations in the recent weeks um but yeah, we definitely have a lot more to talk about with the Suns, and let's go ahead and do that with our next game, which the Phoenix Suns were able to pick up a, a win on the road in Golden State against the Warriors. Uh, they were shorthanded, but they still win despite Steph Curry's return, uh, 125 to 113. Um, and this is a game that Phoenix led pretty handily throughout much of it. Um, Golden State, as we mentioned, they had Steph Curry back, and he had a you know, not an ultra efficient game, but he was still productive. 24 points, 29 from Clay Thompson. The Splash Brothers looking like they're in a return to form there. Jordan Poole with 27 off the bench. Their three guards are going to be a key to them being successful in the future. Meanwhile, Andrew Wiggins only 10 points, uh, 12 boards, six assists, three steals from Draymond. Great stat line for him. But uh, the three guards didn't get as much help as maybe they needed. And Phoenix, led by Mikhail Bridges, 26 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists, along with Torrey Craig grabbing 14 boards, and Dario Saric adding 19 points of his own, 21 from Dwayne Washington Jr., and 22 from Damian Lee, who also got his uh, Warriors Championship ring this night. Let's not forget that, you know, minor storyline. Um, Suns come out on top in this one, but you still probably want to focus more on the fact that you think the Suns are going in a negative direction. 
I I do, but I think I need to make a, a a small caveat before I get into my um, deep destruction of the Phoenix Suns and why I think they're um, corrupted. Okay. They won this game without any of their main players. Right, Devin Booker didn't play. Chris Paul didn't play. Um, Jay Crowder didn't play. Cameron Johnson didn't play. Or Cameron Payne didn't play. DeAndre Ayton didn't play. And so this one was a win over one of the most stacked starting lineups in the history of basketball. And they did it with a bunch of nobodies. Mm. And so I think that deep down, the core of the Suns could be a, a really, really good team. They've got a lot of solid guys off the bench who apparently can surprise you. Right? You got dudes like Michael Bridges falling out or Dwayne Washington and Damian Lee. And they seem like they fit together as a really good unit, even though it was surprising that they won. Mm-hmm. Um, but then now I need to talk a little bit more about while I think the, the Phoenix Suns are poisoned. And the reason that I think they're poisoned is as if we remember um, throughout the last couple of years, they've been super good. Right? And last year in the playoffs, I remember a point specifically, they were playing the Mavericks and they were up two games to none. And it was the famous, right, Devin Booker scores a layup, gets fouled, falls on his face after kind of flopping, rolls over and pretends to be injured and then gets up and says, that's the Luka special. And, of course, Luka Doncic responded with the Michael Jordan quote, which is, they always talk big game when they're up. And so <laughs> Luka torched the Suns over the next two games and the Suns pulled out just a complete sweep of the remainder of the series and they – they ended up beating the Suns, I believe, in six. Maybe they beat them in seven. Mm, but, I think I think it was six, yeah. But I just I think it's it's the cancer that teams have, and oftentimes when they have Chris Paul on the team, where he's such a good leader and such a good communicator, and a guy who builds so much confidence in his teammates that they run into these type of situations where they ought to be dominant, something doesn't go their way, and the entire mental health of the team just collapses. And I think you'll see this because it's happened multiple times. It happened when Chris Paul was on the Clippers, when they were Lob City. They got deep in the playoffs, lost some games, and fell apart. It happened when he was on the Rockets. He and James Harden were poised to be the best you know, backcourt that has ever been. They made it a few games and lost. He's on the Suns now, and the Suns have been really solid. They get into the playoffs, win a few games, and then completely fall apart. And his teams always tank the season after that. And so I think this is going to be the season where the Suns kind of start to go down. They fall maybe into that mid-card area. Maybe they make it to the play-in game. They don't have any playoff success, and the team just falls to crap. And I I feel quite bad for their franchise. However, it does give me some hope. Maybe they can break this poison. Maybe they found some kind of anti-venom in some of their backup guys because this was a very impressive game from the backup guys and I don't think you can blame them at all for the the chemistry issues and the, the suns falling apart like they have. Okay. So we've got a lot to unpack here with what <laughs> I feel like, you know, there's the Woj bomb in the off season with like a free agency move or something like that. We've got a a Justin I don't I don't know what we're gonna have to call it. Some something where Justin drops these, you know, 
How about a monologue? That's a I feel monologue. like that's what I did. Yeah, I gave you a, a three minute monologue about Justin. why the Suns are absolutely cursed. Justin runs off a monologue. Um, so interesting with the Chris Paul take, and I think that there's been we've heard both sides of this argument a lot. One hand, it's you know praise for Chris Paul as a future Hall of Famer, one of the ten best point guards of all time. The, the success that he's brought to multiple different franchises in terms of regular season wins and being playoff competitors. But then we also hear equally, like you mentioned, um, the the negative side of it where, and I it, the way you phrased it, it's almost like, you know, you go into a job interview and they ask you about your weaknesses and you say, oh, I'm too hardworking. I'm, I'm too good at my job. <laughs> or it's like, you, you can't, let yourself have a weakness, your weaknesses or strengths, but it's kind of that take with Chris Paul, where you're saying he's so competitive and so driven to try and win that it pushes teams in the wrong way. Is that, am I getting that correctly? I think the basic sense of my point is this, right? And it's similar to what you said. Chris Paul is such a, a good leader and such an okay player that he inspires a lot of drive in younger guys, especially those who are fairly impressionable, right? If I was a 21-year-old guard, I just got drafted by the Suns and Chris Paul was my starting point guard, I would be stoked out of my mind to be playing with someone that is, you know, statistically a super solid point guard. Like if you look up the dictionary definition of point guard, I'm sure Chris Paul is following John Stockton and Steve Nash. But I, I just think that, this level of overconfidence becomes toxic and it becomes despisable, right? And then you have teams getting chippy with the Suns and no one understands why. And then you have incidences like when he was in Houston and they ended up going back into the locker room of the other team and Chris Paul was going to fight. I can't you're talking about the, you're yeah, talking about the, uh, the Clippers. Clippers return. Yeah. It was when they returned yeah. to the Clippers. I think it was his first time playing in LA against the Clippers since he had been traded. That was a bizarre scenario. And I remember there was one of the TNT sideline reporters mentioned something to the inside the NBA crew about um, like a, a police presence and Shaq and Charles had a field day with that. Um <laughs> But yeah, you know, to that point, I've had my criticisms of Chris Paul or at least Chris Paul led teams in the past. And I could certainly sympathize with that. And I think you bring up some some valid, you know, potential opinions and thoughts on this. I with this current Suns team, I would have some reservations about Devin Booker and not for any of his his playing ability. It's kind of like Chris Paul, you know, obviously we know he's a great player. We know what he's capable of. With Devin Booker, he's one of the best scorers in the NBA right now. Um, a good shooter, but he he's more just a pure scorer, even though he's a very good shooter as well. Um, but Booker has something about him where, and I think it's what you've talked about, where like a lot of guys in the NBA don't like him. you know. And I would say even more so than Chris Paul. The one that comes to mind, and this is probably – far from the best example you've seen that clip right where it was during the the season it was the 2020 to 2021 season where we had little to no fans in the arenas so the suns are in toronto against or no it would have been tampa bay but 
it was Toronto in Tampa because of that whole scenario, but they were playing against the Raptors and the Raptors mascot was off the court doing whatever mascots do. And Booker was shooting free throws and he complains and gets the mascot kicked out. Like you have no distractions from hundreds, thousands of fans. You just have the mascot doing a dance or something. And then you complain about it. And there, it, it may be privilege is the perception at least, you, you know, I don't really know him that well to make any kind of a statement about that, but there seems to be there the potential for something like that with the league, not liking Devin Booker. And maybe there's some elements of that with Phoenix, but it's hard to say. I absolutely agree. And I think it goes a little bit deeper. And if we want to elaborate on this more, I probably can, but then just to kind of wrap up this short little monologue, duologue, I think Chris Paul is a toxic leader. Um, I think Devin Booker is kind of a white, a whiny, entitled crybaby. I think that DeAndre Ayton thinks he's much better than he's worth. And I think the rest of the Suns get kind of punished for the behavior and the mentality of those three players. And those should be their best players and should be their leaders and should be their captains. But I think they they fall south of, you know, King Leonidas by a mile. They're they're not the best frontline commanders. They're they're more like I don't know. They're just they're just not not a very good fit together. And I don't think there really is a good fit for any of those players. And so I think they'll all have mildly impressive NBA careers on their own, but I don't think they're ever gonna win anything. Okay. Well, we've got a few takeaways as we wrap up this discussion. Firstly. If we found out anything from this podcast, it's that Justin is not going to mince words or <laughs> dance around <laughs> it. I I try and do that, and maybe to a fault sometimes. But Justin is going to tell you what he thinks, and props to him. You know, he's the he's the hot take guy on the show potentially. But regardless, I'm, <laughs> I'm not afraid of having people know my thoughts and opinions. Mm-hmm. And if anything, right, it's a welcome to these people or these players or you know, people commenting, reacting to the podcast to have an opportunity to disagree with me or agree with me. Mm. And if that can generate any level of interaction or content, I think it's a good idea. But yeah, mostly I'm just not afraid to say what I think. And if you dislike me for it, that's that's perfectly fine. There you go, man. And hey, you know, for the, the podcast sake, I think having, having the different personalities and Justin's going to be the guy who will have you know, the, the hotter takes. And, you know, I think that that's going to add some, some great depth to the podcast. So there's a first takeaway. Second duologue. I did not know that was a word. I thought you were being half funny with it, but it is a word. So kudos to you. You taught me a new word, Justin. Um, <laughs> oh, we're having, I'm not going to lie. I completely made it up. However, I, I'm glad that it worked. <laughs> just floated that one up there and LeBron dunked it. So there you go. <laughs> oh man. That that's my other one. And then I'll give some just final thoughts on the Suns before we move on to our last couple of games. I think with the last few weeks where they've fallen off, we've mentioned before the injury bug. And I think that's certainly something we have to consider. Like you mentioned, none of their big names played in this game. Uh, and they're still able to get a win, you know, 
without Aiton, without Chris Paul, without Devin Booker. Once those three are playing consistently, then we'll be able to evaluate this season at least a little more effectively. But we can certainly have our thoughts as far as long-term, how this franchise and this team will go. And uh, one other thought on this, um, the Jay Crowder scenario is one that we have not talked about a lot. He's been away from the team and simply has not played for um, – good amount of time and the Suns for whatever reason are wanting to move on from his services. And so he's probably a name as we shift away from the Suns, he's a name as a player that we'll want to pay attention to as the trade deadline comes around and teams start making not only trades, but contract moves, buyouts, free agent moves. Maybe he becomes a piece for some other team that's looking to contend this season, but definitely, I mean, we could go on talking about the Suns. We could talk about the Suns for the rest of the show if we wanted, but for the sake of other teams in the NBA, let's go ahead and shelve this. Um, you know, r- regardless, great win for Phoenix in this one. Let's talk about our last two games real quick. I'm what we'll do, Justin. These don't have as big a storylines, so I'll summarize these two real quick. Let me know if you want to talk about anything with these, and then we'll move on to the next part. How does that sound? Sounds good to me. Okay, perfect. So, the first of the two final games, uh, Orlando steals a game in. Portland against the Trailblazers, the Magic win 109 to 106. Uh, even though Portland had a big fourth quarter rally to try and make the game close, Orlando still won and they led at no point in the game were they trailing. They either led or tied. Uh, for Portland, they had a gr- good game from Lillard 30 points, five assists, four rebounds, including a monster dunk on Cole Anthony. You forget sometimes that he's a pretty good dunker as well as a three-point shooter. Uh, 22-10 and from Nurkic and 13 rebounds from Josh Hart. Once again, the diminutive Josh Hart surprising me with his rebounding abilities. 16 from Jeremy Grant as well. Meanwhile, for Phoenix, uh, Franz Wagner led the way, 29 points. 19-10 and for Bancaro and 20-10 and for Wendell Carter Jr., as well as 18 for Markel Fultz and 11 for Moritz Wagner. So lower scoring game, but Orlando comes out on top. And then the last game from that slate, the LA Clippers won at home uh, against the Dallas Mavericks, 113 to 101. Uh, Excuse me. This ends a six game losing streak for the Clippers. And it's despite Luca scoring 43 in this game. Um, LA led throughout and they led big through much of the second half. Uh, For Dallas, yeah, 43, 11 rebounds, 7 assists for Luka. He continues to be stellar. Uh, 16 from Tim Hardaway Jr., 13 from Dinwiddie, and 12 from Christian Wood, who started. Um, But for the Clippers, uh, 33 from Kawhi Leonard. He's working his way back more and more to being the player that we've expected from him in the past. 27 for Norman Powell off the bench and 12 each for Marcus Morris Sr. and Terrence Mann. So Clippers get the win there. Anything of note in those two games before we jump into our key news uh, segment? I don't believe so. Nothing really in particular stood out to me, other than the fact that I'm a huge fan of Paolo Bancaro, and I think he's been awesome. For the Magic, at least their, their dismal... View in Orlando looks a little bit brighter whenever Paolo plays. Yeah, so absolutely. I'm a big fan of Paolo, and I hope that he continues to do well. Certainly, yeah. I think he's the future of that 
Magic franchise, and but they've got some some interesting pieces around him. Maybe this next offseason, if they make you know a, a decent free agent move or a trade of some sort, then maybe they could be jumping into that you know potential play in or playoff group. Um, but regardless, yeah, he's going to be he's got a lot of potential in this league, and I I like to see him play as well. Um, okay, let's jump to our key news for today, and we don't have too many items to cover. Um, Firstly, we could have talked about this with the Miami game, but we'll mention it here. Kind of a bizarre scenario with uh, center Dwayne Dedman, who's been uh, kind of a bench guy, reserve guy. He's had some moments in recent years that have been productive, um, but he has been suspended one game by Miami for, quote, contract or content, not contract, uh, <laughs> contract detrimental. What did I mean? I'm having a brain fart. <laughs> um, conduct, that's the word. <laughs> Holy crap, that was bad. Um, what I meant to write, excuse me, everyone, conduct detrimental to the team. He's been suspended one game. Um, now, if you're wondering what exactly he did, well, you saw it last night. He was um, ejected from the game after a series of events. Firstly, he was, he was subbed out by Miami's coaches. He then had a series of arguments with the coaching staff and then swatted a massage gun onto the court. You can't make this stuff up. Um, And so he was ejected and they, then he's been suspended for conduct detrimental to the team. So kind of a bizarre one. Um, And another note for Miami federal bankruptcy court votes in favor of Miami Dade County in the effort to have the FTX name stripped from the heat arena after the FTX uh, bankruptcy situation. If you're unfamiliar, they're cryptocurrency, something or other. If I'm completely honest with you, I have no clue how cryptocurrency works or anything about it, but I know that FTX has something to do with that and they went bankrupt. So now the arena is going to be stripped of that name and they'll have to look for a new naming rights partner. So kind of bizarre stuff out of Miami, those two stories alone. Um, Some more positive news, though, in the uh, Florida area franchises, specifically Orlando. Forward Jonathan Isaac scores 15 points in 15 minutes in G League action versus the Westchester Knicks. Uh, He, of course, is playing with the Lakeland Magic, the G League affiliate, working up to potentially make his NBA return for the first time in several seasons. So that's great stuff there. Uh, out of Atlanta, Trey Young uh, will not play tonight or did not play tonight. That game's probably already finished, but did not play tonight due to uh, illness of some sort. So wishing the best in recovering from that. For Cleveland, Ricky Rubio is set to make his season debut in tomorrow's game against Portland. So that's exciting to watch out for. Uh, the Spurs, meanwhile, they are going to be playing a game in the Alamo Dome. If you're not familiar, that is where they played several seasons, including their first championship season. Um, they are set to break the single game attendance record on Friday versus Golden State when they play in the Alamo Dome as part of their 50th anniversary celebration. I think they're going to wear the city jerseys, the Fiesta colors and all that stuff. So that'll be fun. And finally, uh, transactional note, the Phoenix Suns are signing guard Saban Lee to a 10-day contract. Um, so that takes us through all the key news real quick. 
only took a couple minutes. Anything we wanted to, any comments on any of those before we move on? I know that I kind of went through that real quick, but viewers keep in mind, we have had a few technical issues. So if you're not hearing Justin right now, that's why. Um, Justin, you there, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. It's been a little bit choppy and I apologize. I missed your question, but I'm guessing it was something along the lines of what are your thoughts about the news? Yeah, yeah. Just if you had any comments or questions to add on anything with the key news. I think Dwayne Dedman is the type of player to um, bring a piece of string to the games he plays in. Okay. Um, and that's that's so he can tie up the score because that's about as much as he contributes to the heat. Wow. That was a... Uh... <laughs> And so I mostly just wanted to take this opportunity to to take a mildly low blow at Dwayne Dedman, but I think that type of behavior is ridiculous. If you're going to have a public freak out, basketball is not the place to do it. Yeah, definitely bizarre stuff all around. And uh, I don't know. He's a player that I've kind of, you know, I'd like to see him be successful with teams in the past. And he's had moments for Miami, but yeah, definitely bizarre. Definitely not great to see. Um, okay. Yeah. Let's go ahead and jump into, um, let's see, let's do our, so we have, of course, our predictions. We also have some other things that we've thought might be worth just chatting about. Um, on Wednesdays, we have penciled in a section called league storylines. And this typically is our, you know, what, what are the big discussions in the NBA at the current moment? Um, and, uh, Ooh, we've lost Justin here in the zoom session. Bear with us for one second. Um, again, it, there might be, Justin did recently move into a, a new place. So he might be getting some internet, uh, things figured out with his, his new location. So, um, Again, we, we ask for your patience while we're getting this uh, figured out. Um, okay. Should have the the link to get back into the Zoom meeting. Where Again, we're recording through Zoom. So, uh, oh, we've just got an update. He's lost internet. Um, hold on for one second, everyone. All right, he's back. We got him back in. <laughs> I apologize for the technical difficulties. I know that it's my voice that all of you are here to hear. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's why we, we stopped everything. It sounds to me like it may still be. Yeah, it's it's a little bit <laughs> laggy, but hopefully we're going to make it work. Um, I had just mentioned to the audience that you had recently moved into a new place, so there might be some internet issues to to figure out with that in mind. Um, looks like we're, we're dealing with a little bit of lag again, uh, for our listening audience. I'm currently seeing a frozen picture of Justin. So this is certainly not ideal. Yep. Internet is down again for him. Okay. So it appears that Justin's internet is not going to cooperate tonight. Um, he's, uh, sorry that he's not going to be able to finish out the show. Uh, we're sorry that we, he won't be able to, to finish out the show with us, but, uh, you know, hopefully he's able to get that uh, straightened out in the near future. Uh, he's talked about he's interested in maybe doing some some bonus shows. Maybe we'll see him tomorrow. Maybe we won't. Uh, 
But regardless, let's go ahead and uh, soldier on. Let's finish <clears throat> without him because uh, that's what he would have wanted. He's still alive. Um, so as I was getting into, we had talked about, uh, you know, on our Wednesday shows, we have time outlined for league storylines, uh, rumor mills slash playoff previews, and weekly predictions. Um and with league storylines, that's more so stories that are getting a lot of media attention, things that are kind of outside specific stat lines and team performance and player performance, more things like a player being content in a certain spot or wanting out, you know, what what are players feeling about this? You know, those lovely first take type uh, bits that get you know, discussed and pulled apart about what players are thinking or feeling or teams are thinking or feeling, you know. Um, we don't have a depth of those. We did want to chat very briefly about the uh, the LeBron scoring tracker. We've mentioned it from time to time in our news segment, mainly on Mondays recently. When we come back from the weekend, we check where he's at with the scoring tracker. I mentioned it a little bit yesterday as well with our This Day in History fact. Um, but he's getting very close uh of course we we can look at look ahead to the games that are coming up um they it looks like he'll need probably another 16 or 20 games to get close to that mark of passing kareem he'll pass thirty-eight thousand within the next few games i would think um the next several games they uh oh excuse me no sorry the NBA website on their LeBron tracker, they're gracious enough to provide a set of games that surround um, just about when that, because it says, uh, based on his career scoring average of 27.2 points per game, James would need 16 more games to break that record. Uh, puts it on pace to reach the milestone February 9th against Milwaukee. Here are the games that surround that. So these, this is a stream of games that, depending on his scoring within the next several could potentially be the dates where he breaks that mark. Uh, February 4th at the New Orleans Pelicans. February 7th uh, versus the Oklahoma City Thunder. February 9th versus the Milwaukee Bucks. February 11th at Golden State Warriors. And February 13th at Portland Trailblazers. So uh, certainly he's closing in. And it's interesting to look at that top uh, scoring group as far as all-time scoring leaders. Carl Malone being third is always something that surprises people ahead of Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan. Uh, Moses Malone being number 10 is fairly surprising when you consider that he was not a high percentage scorer, even as a center. Um, Dan Issel being, let's see, that's, that's NBA and ABA put together, which is usually not counted. Um, yeah, Elvin Hayes, 11th. Oscar Robertson is 13th. Um We've also talked about Durant is going to move up into that top 10 group likely sometime this season or maybe beginning of next season he'll move into that top 10. So that's another storyline worth watching. Um, I think Justin might have had some points that he wanted to add in with this conversation. But regardless, um, it, it is exciting to watch that uh, pursuit of history. So just something to worth uh, worth noting in that small segment. With the rumor mill discussion, um, we, of course, are getting more and more involved in trade rumors and trade discussions. You can look up any number of potential trade rumors, trade, uh, you know, potential trades, 
you know, trade scenarios, people making up their own trades, what they think would be good for teams just based more on their kind of opinions rather than, you know, what has been reported specific teams will do. Um, so there's any number of trade rumors. Um, I think one name, if we want to mention just one, um, would be uh, Boyan Bogdanovich of the, the Pistons. He's their leading scorer. He's an older talent that doesn't really fit their timeline. He's their, you know, one of their best players. And he would probably be a consideration as far as either a buyout or a trade to a contending type team. I'm not sure what exactly that team would be, but but that's a name worth uh, mentioning. Um, regardless, let's jump right to the meat of this, our weekly predictions. And this is what we've been uh, most consistent with and most invested in as far as our Wednesday show. Um, I'll go ahead and read you my prediction first. Uh, my prediction is, and this kind of ties into what we were talking about with Phoenix, my prediction is the Phoenix Suns will be upset in this year's play-in tournament. I kind of, right now, the way they're at in the standings, uh, they're currently seventh in the West. They have potential, if they get their guys back from injury, to be out of the play-in picture. Um, but I think if they fall in the play-in picture, they there could be that potential to be an upset team. Uh, I'm not sure who would be the team that upsets them in that mix. Maybe if the Lakers continue to make a push or Portland gets back in the winning column. Um Maybe they slide into the playing picture and become a team that would be in that conversation. But um, that's my prediction. And these are, you know, just kind of for fun, see where they end up at the end of the season, how right or wrong we are. I'll go ahead and read uh, Justin's prediction. Hopefully this is kosher. This is okay. Okay, I like this one. So he his prediction, he says Paolo Bancaro will be an all-star reserve this year as a rookie. Now, for those who are wondering, um, let me look this up so I make sure. Uh, the last NBA rookie to be named an all-star was Blake Griffin. Uh, but it has not happened very often in the last uh, 40-ish years. Um, it happened plenty in the early days of the NBA when – you know, the league was not very, uh, there wasn't a depth of history in turn or not a depth of history, but it's it ha it happened plenty in the early days of the NBA when there was, you know, teams that had still plenty of young players and rookies were making immediate impacts and immediately being, you know, the best players in the NBA. And we ha see a little bit of that to a certain extent in, you know, more recent years, but if we look at this, I'm scrolling through an article that kind of outlines all of these. Um, but since 1985, there have only been a handful to be named All-Stars as rookies. Uh, David Robinson was, Kenway Matumbo was, Shaq was, Grant Hill, Tim Duncan, uh, Yao Ming, and Blake Griffin. So those are the ones that are kind of you know, since 1985. Oh, and Patrick Ewing. So not a lot of rookies. So Justin, his prediction is that Ben Carroll will be the next rookie to be an all-star player as 
as a rookie. And so I think that's a pretty good prediction. I think there's a, a decent chance that'll happen. There seems to be kind of a, a stigma against it um, in the last 10 or 20 years, but I think it's still a pretty good prediction, uh, all things considered. Um, with that, let's go ahead, probably a little bit sooner than we planned on, um, trying to think if there's anything else that we had plans to discuss that we didn't quite get to. If there is, uh, and Justin, if you've listened to the podcast up to this point uh, after the fact, feel free to take notes and bring them back for a future episode of the show. Um, hopefully we've covered everything. Let's go ahead and do our This Day in History fact and wrap things up. So this day in history, January 11th, going back to 1947. This is a long time ago. January 11th of 1947, I believe after the first season of NBA uh, play, the NBA voted to outlaw the use of zone defenses. When the league began play two and a half months earlier, it did so under college rules that permitted zones. But league officials felt that zones were slowing down the game and allowing teams to clog the middle and thus voted that they be prohibited. And I bring up this fact because it's only within the last 10 or 20 years that these rules have been really refined to allow zone defenses. I think there are still some restrictions in play, but it was really, for me, I liked noting this one because I've recently been watching some of the, some random playoff games from the 90s and it's something you see that is just so bizarre because you never see it in the modern NBA, but the game gets stopped, whistle blown out of nowhere because, Oh, illegal defense. And if it's first defense, it's a warning. But then after that, it was technical foul team shooting a free throw because of illegal defense. And it's kind of a culture shock, you know, coming from modern NBA or the NBA of the last 10 or 20 years where that never really has been called or hasn't been a rule to be called going back to these older games and seeing that is kind of bizarre. And it was such a part of the NBA for such a long time, going back to basically the first season of the the league's existence. So for me, I just thought it would be something worth noting, but um, regardless, let's go ahead and uh, wrap things up here again. uh, I do apologize. Uh, for the technical issues with tonight's show. Um, again, Justin has moved into a new place and he's, I'm sure, figuring out the specifics with the internet uh, in that location at this time. But we thank him for being on the show uh, in the capacity that, you, that he was tonight. We also thank all of you for listening. Um, again, we're, we're making big strides with the podcast. We're, we're making improvements slowly and sure, slowly, but surely. As Justin alluded to, we're, looking into the possibility of adding some some more flair in terms of uh, audio drops, intro, sound effects, music, things of that nature. Um, so stay tuned for that. Stay tuned regardless because we've got, you know, the podcast I think just gets better and better uh, every time we do it. We're more and more in tune, I think, or getting a better feel for what's going on with the NBA and its players and its teams. Uh, But once again, we thank you all for listening and we'll be back with you tomorrow. Uh, Tomorrow's show, we have our usual game summaries and previews, and we're going to do our franchise uh, focus this time for the Chicago Bulls. Uh, But uh, until then, we'll be back with you soon.